Eagles Entertainment. With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. And I know it's not the biggest slate of games here this weekend in college football. We've got a loaded show, a lot of things to hash out here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. And we're going to start at the top with Saturday scouting. Ben Fennell is back from Tuscaloosa. Watch the Crimson Tide completely dismantle the Arkansas Razorbacks. So he's got some thoughts on all of the top players there for Nick Saban's squad. Next, we will transition into Mr. Relevant, where I'm going to catch up with Ben Solak. Talk about some of the sleepers, some players that have really help themselves and guys that he's higher on than the rest of the the marketplace here around the NFL draft. Next, we will transition transition into draft buzz with Tony Pauline, break down some of the word on the street around college football as it pertains to the NFL draft. Some more breaking news from Tony in that segment. Next up, we're going to have scouting report where I'm going to break down a running back I watched recently that has some juice, a guy I'm pretty excited about, and I've got a really good pro comparison for you at the end of that segment. And then we will get to your questions in our draft mailbag. By the way, talking about draft mailbag, if you get a chance, best way to support the show, go wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It's the number one way to help promote this show, help support the show, uh, wherever podcasts can be found, wherever you listen, just go leave us a a rating and leave us a comment. All right, let's get now into Saturday scouting. Ben Fennel talking Alabama, Arkansas, and where he's headed this week in college football. It's time for Saturday scouting. Well, back again for another episode of the Journey of the Draft podcast, our friend Ben Fennell. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. That's Fennell with two N's and two L's. Welcome back from Tuscaloosa. I'm thinking about losing the NFL. It gets to be a little messy when you have the underscores and stuff. Do you have at Ben Fennell available? I don't even know. I don't even know. So I tried getting at Fran Duffy a while ago, and there's someone on there who's got like two followers, and like they I haven't, haven't even checked to be since honest like 2013. With you, yeah. My like, initial handle was the XOs of life. I do remember that yes. because I wanted to make sure I opened it up to talk about other things besides sports. Right? Because I'm more than just sports fan. Right? Yeah, I know you were just reciting a like a Seinfeld palette. episode, yeah. like you know, ad lib. Uh, but then I switched the to NFL, and now that's yep. kind of pegging me into the NFL game. I'm still in kind of college and. I'll break down a Friday night game here and well, there, too. You, so. I mean, you were over in, uh, where were you, in Ireland? Uh, yeah, doing, I was doing golf, British Open stuff. Here, doing the British Open. I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of depth to Ben Fennell. Right. Ben Fennell underscore depth on Twitter. Don't cut this out, either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you were down for uh, Arkansas, uh, Alabama this yep. past Saturday night, and you know your crew has had a lot of really good games, a lot of close ones, some near upsets this year. This was not, was not <laughs> this one of them. Not one it was not. <laughs> this is not one of them. Alabama hmm. controlled this for the jump, and it got ugly very early. Yeah, we've had some lopsided games as far as the spreads and opponents, but the opponents have always given us a little bit of juice in the first quarter. Yep. North Carolina against Clemson, Kansas against Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, just make it a little competitive for the TV crew and just gives a little bit of dynamic for the second half. But Alabama pretty much blew the doors off Arkansas, as expected. All right, well, who uh, gets the game ball in this game? Game ball, we got to give it to Mac Jones. Stepping, stepping in for Tua. You know, three touchdowns. I think he put up a better performance than Tua did in his first game. Hmm. Controversy? Well, Maybe. I mean, I, it's a little early for that, I don't that, know if Tua though. gets that job back when he gets back. Yeah, no week. question. He's going to have to earn it. <laughs> um, but the receivers, the O-line, the whole offense really stepped up. was yep. pretty clean. Took, took care of the football. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones, I think, stepped up and uh, did what he had to do. In, rea- in, a, in seriousness, do you think that he would be the guy next year if Tua were to enter this draft? I think so. Okay. Um to his younger brother actually got in the game. Right. Uh, for a lot of people who don't know, he has a younger brother. Talia is his name. Looks similar. Not as thick. Not as strong as uh, not as strong of an arm. A little bit of a windier release as well, too. Hmm. Inexperienced as well. He got in the game, took some snaps. Looked like a chicken with his head cut off those first couple of plays. But hmm. uh, Mac Jones is probably going to be the uh, the starter after Tua. Interesting. All yeah. right. Well, that's a name to file away uh, for down the road. All right. Uh, one play takeaway. What's what Coming from this blowout of a disaster of a game, uh, what's one play that you'll kind of take with you? A couple turnovers there in the secondary. You had uh, Sertan's kid with the interception yep. uh, at the end Still of the first half. Still makes me feel old, yep. feel old every no time question. I hear it. And yep. then uh, Trayvon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, younger brother, corner right. for Alabama, had a nice pick six. But we're going to actually highlight the pressure in the mm. trenches there from Terrell Lewis. A nice spin move against the right tackle. Hit the quarterback right under the chin. Not sure if it really affected the throw, but uh, forced him just to hurry the process, which gives those corners an extra step to attack the throw. 
and there's just good marrying of pressure, defensive back skills, ball skills, pick six. Uh, just a really nice play there. So what did you think of Terrell Lewis seeing him live? Man, this kid is really interesting, and he's not built like the rest of these Alabama edge rushers. This guy has skinny legs, yep. skinny, uh, skinny ankles. He's tall. He's wiry. He's got a variety of moves. He looks like a Brian Burns. He looks uh, like I was going to say he looks like an LSU type of no edge question. rusher. No question, yeah, yeah, which you really you, you start to think, yeah, Tim Williams had a little bit of juice there. Yep. But for the most part, these guys are a little bit more rocked up off the edge there. Uh, this kid's got some juice, though. He's got power in his hands. He's got a lot of flexibility, fluid hips to kind of get inside and outside of tackles, can turn the corner, can win with power or speed, and just a really active pass rusher. But the injuries are going to be huge with this yep. kid, the elbow injury, the knee injury. Uh, the medicals are going to be enormous. But we were talking with our crew before the game. If he's healthy, he is on a trajectory to be right under Chase Young as far as the best, most dominant, productive edge rushers in the country. Yeah, he. Uh, I watched him summer of 2018 right before he got hurt. So he right. tore his ACL during, I think it was summer workouts yes. uh, yeah. last summer. And so I watched him, and I loved him on film. And I he had, he had the elbow injury, like you mentioned, so missed the college football playoff in the 2017 season. Right. Um, then missed most of last year, or all of last year due to the ACL. But uh, this kid's film, really, really impressive. I, I was glad to, to hear that but you saw like I also like saw. these games against Arkansas because he didn't fill up the stat sheet, yep. but he affected the game. And mm. I sent you a couple plays of really good pass rushes, hurrying the quarterback, hitting the quarterback. Yep. Just didn't get home for the sack, and it doesn't mean he wasn't putting together good stuff on film. Yep. So I'm going to ask you a very tough question. You go to Alabama. You go to Alabama. There's you know a host of players that could be your off the bus guy, the guy that you are just so impressed with from a physical standpoint. I, every position they've got guys that really look the part. Who's the one guy that in your mind kind of separates himself in that category? Man, you, know? you want to talk about looking the part on the field pregame at Alabama? We have about 75 recruits no on the doubt. field. You yeah, want to talk right. about good looking yeah. kids? That's how you first saw I'm Dylan seeing Moses. Some 10th right? graders there, some 11th graders. Yeah, I was on a flight with Dylan Moses actually. That was Alabama, Kentucky. The only other time I was at Alabama, less miles. Got fired the week before. Okay. And this plane was just loaded up with IMG kids to go to Tuscaloosa. And Dylan Moses was one of them. And uh, yeah, no question. But there's tons of recruits pregame out there. You just see all these good looking kids. You know they're football players. You know they're athletes. You know they're a little bit green. They're taking pictures with their family. They got all the Alabama gear on that's brand new. You You couldn't get them any to turn to the draft gear? Like, you know, say, hey, listen to the podcast. I need some more swag to give out there. You know, we got to start hyping the brand there. That's valid. uh, As far as players that are eligible on the field playing for Alabama. Yep. Man, I'm watching this one kid warm up, and I swear he was a receiver. He was working with a coach that was much smaller than him, and it was Trayvon Diggs. Mm. This kid is enormous at cornerback. He's listed, I think, 6'2", 208. He looks every bit of it. Yep. He looks 6'2", 210. He might even weigh a little bit more, for right. all I know. Um, but just an imposing, imposing cornerback that wins with good play strength at the point of attack, really smothers receivers trying to get off the ball. And has kind of long arms, strong hands, and loose hips. I was going to say, not stiff. So he was working on these release drills where he was just constantly working one-arm jams and flipping his hips and staying on top of the receiver. Mm. Really impressive work. uh, And just on top of his frame and body. Obviously, his uh, his abilities and uh, his athleticism as well. Uh, towards ACL or, was it, or no, it wasn't an ACL. What was the, the injury last year? It was a hip, hip or shoulder. Hip. I think it was a hip. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he had the injury midway through last it's been year. A bunch of injuries in Bama. I'm kind of blanking right. between Dylan Moses and yeah, Anthony Jennings and Terrell shame. Lewis, and I'm kind of uh, blurring the lines on who uh, had what. He, injury. So he had the injury last year. Wait, actually, I think it was a foot. I think it was a broken foot okay. for Trayvon Diggs. Either way, missed most of 2018 uh, or the back half of 2018. If he's healthy the rest of this year, like he's a senior, I find it hard to believe he's not a first-round pick. Like a guy that looks like that, that moves like he does with his upside at that position in a class full of good corners. He's, he's, he's going to run well. Yeah. And, man, you need a, a press corner that can run and handle some of these big receivers in the NFL outside the numbers. It's this kid. Like this is Xavier Rhodes coming out of Florida State. No question. Yeah. And, you know, just the fact he came to Alabama as a receiver, yep. changed positions, struggled, had a split time with a transfer, Savion Smith. He gets hurt. He gets benched a little bit as well for, you know, inconsistent play. The fact that he hung around, I think, is yep. impressive in its own no right. Question. In this day and age where you change positions, you lose your job, you're typically out of there. Not, want, and not to mention, sorry to cut you off, but not to mention that for him, his older brother, Stefan Diggs, he's an NFL star. Oh, I'm going to be the next one. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the NFL too. And I'm going to. So, like, for them to come to him and say, like, hey, look, like, we're going to move you to corner. No, I'm a, I'm a big time receiver. Like, right. my brothers are, I'm going to be just like my brother. For him to embrace that, I think, speaks a lot to him as well. And when you're a, a high level recruit, 
you have a lot of relationships with coaches through the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. You've developed some really good relationships. The second you may feel unwanted by your current team, you kind of feel like you're still wanted by some of those other coaches that were in your ear. So that's kind of another reason why these kids are so quick to leave mm -hmm. is – Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to start here. Or, hey, I'm third on the depth chart. Well, this coach told me I'm going to come start right away. You know what? I'm going to go there next year. Yep. And just the fact some of these kids that stay through adversity, I just I think is another added dimension to who they are as a person. Yeah, no question. And now you mentioned all those recruits that you saw on the sideline. We're going to leave those guys out of the discussion for the next question. Uh, the down-the-road freak show, excluding those recruits that you saw. Uh, who's a guy that was on the field on Saturday night that you think, all right, down the road uh, is a guy we need to keep tabs so on. So I was studying the uh, Raekwon Davis film last week in preparation for the game. I kept seeing this number 94 up there, and okay. obviously Deron Payne's out of there. Yep. This nose tackle, true freshman, has started every game for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm like, mm. all right, I got to look this kid up. DJ Dale is his name, okay. true freshman, 310 pounds, an absolute wrecking ball in there, plays a great leverage, just as you would expect from any uh, Alabama trench player in there. But I don't have a whole lot of notes on him, but DJ Dale, nose tackle, number 94, started every game as a true freshman for Alabama. Got it. File that one Impressive away. player. And another thing, a couple players that really I don't think are on the national Richter scale of draft prospects. Okay. Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills. Yeah, the, the tackles, tackles for Alabama. Yep. They're both juniors. They're both draft eligible. Yep. I think as we get into the process and if they decide to come out, yep. we might be looking at two first-round tackles here. That's crazy. That I think are taking a little bit of a backseat to the national conversation of the Tristan Wirfs of the world and those uh, Notre Dame tackles and you know some of the other players around the country. But these two are really, really good players. I don't think they're getting the attention they deserve. Well, there were a couple other guys I wanted to ask about, too, before we kind of put a pin in Alabama. And, you know, obviously, look, we talked a lot about those those receivers, you know, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Yep. Um, what did you think from those guys, seeing them up close in person on the field and then watch them in the game? Yeah, Ruggs was great to watch him pregame warm-up go through. It's just his release package. And okay. he must have tried out 15 to 20 different releases. And it was really cool just to see the suddenness. And he was going through these releases at full speed. And the second he got off the line, he'd kind of cruise it down. Mm. But just to see the suddenness up close and to kind of have your hair blow in the wind that he was creating by you, really impressive uh, impressive kid there. Jerry Judy, seven catches, 103 yards, two touchdowns. I think his Cole best Hump, route yeah. was a double move that the quarterback overthrew. Okay, uh, But he can obviously win within the route, win after the catch, win down the field. He was as advertised in a first-round pick all day long. Raquan Davis, D-lineman. Didn't do a whole lot. Kind of quiet in the trenches there. Okay. Um, disruptive for some running backs to bounce outside here and there. Uh, Varkeen Boyd's a nice running back for mm. Arkansas. But kind of a quiet game. But um, the trenches there for Alabama were kind of quiet. Two freshman linebackers starting there. They made a couple splash plays. Yep. And that's what you get from Alabama trench players. Sometimes they're holding up blocks, eating blocks, eating gaps, letting the linebackers eat. Mm. So just kind of life with the trench players. All right, so I'll take you inside my Saturday. All right, I made my plan was okay. I'm going to watch the 3:30 in the late games. Uh, I'm going to take the morning mm -hmm. and I'm going to take the noon games. I'm going to get all my stuff done so I can watch some of these late, later games. So, uh, you know, I run some errands. I do some stuff. I'm putting a, a thing together for the baby. Okay, they look like he's got like this this jumper thing, and I'm putting it together on the on the floor. And I look at my phone really quickly, and I see, oh, Kansas State's about to beat Oklahoma. So I'm like, all right, well, let's let's turn this thing on real quick. And they're up three scores. Oklahoma's got the ball. I turn it on about 35 seconds before Jalen Hurts throws a little jailbreak screen to C.D. Lamb, and yeah. he goes 70 yards <laughs> to the house. So uh, that's my one-play takeaway. Okay. Um, really smooth, really confident. We saw the juice. Uh, that's the kind of player that C.D. Lamb is really competitive with the ball in his hands as well. Um, it, we've talked about this in the past. Yards after catch, you need a certain mindset to be successful in that area. He's he's kind of got that edge to him. Uh, I don't know if you saw the play, but a big time play. I did see it uh, quite a bit. You just see that returner ability. Yep, no doubt. You know he returned two punts in the game I did against Kansas. I think one got called back for a stupid flag away from the play there. But yep. the return ability at his size, just to see the speed, the mm. suddenness, the long speed, the burst, the short area quickness. He's not a big kid. Yeah. I think he actually looks a little bit bigger in his pads. He kind of looks big and long the same way Chad Johnson looked with Cincinnati mm. Bengals. 
I don't know what it was about him in the jersey. He had long arms, long legs. He was high cut. Yep. Where he almost looked 6'3", 6'4". Chad Johnson was 6'1 and change. Right, yep. And that's what C.D. Lamb is. And I just see such a similar player with Chad Johnson. His route running ability, being that technician, getting in and out of breaks, and then the yards after catch and being creative like a returner. So I watched the end of that game, and you know, obviously, look, I, you know, Oklahoma nearly comes back. They almost convert that onside kick. I thought, oh, here we go. Like They're going to go and win the game. And then, obviously, uh, as you know, Kansas State ends up uh, with the W. So uh, that game ends. I'm like, all right, let's go to the 331. I want to I watch LSU-Auburn. This is the one I was looking forward to coming into the weekend. Um, I'll tell you what, my game ball, you mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I forget exactly which game it was. I'm going to give my game ball to the losing team. I'm going to go Auburn, and I want to go to linebacker K.J. Britt. Okay. Uh, you know, LSU, they tried to get the run game going. I'm actually very excited to watch this from a Joe Burrow standpoint because this will be the first game that I, I've watched a good amount of LSU this year where it looks like he had to face a good amount of adversity offensively. They couldn't get things going consistently. Gave a lot of credit to that Auburn front. Um, there was a lot written about and talked about afterwards that they did a lot of different things uh, from a front alignment standpoint to kind of get after them. Dude, this guy K.J. Britt is a junior linebacker just destroyed their any inside runs like no, he they could not get anything going downhill uh, really prevented them from getting into any kind of third manageable situation so uh, KJ Britt the guy uh, just to kind of keep an eye on for me I was excited to see him yeah we had mentioned last week that I want to see some adversity from Burrow yes. I thought they absolutely shut down Florida's pass rush and that pressure scheme from Todd Grantham I just want to see what happens if the O line gets beat up yep and Derek Brown got into the backfield Burrow had to run for his life on a couple plays. I was kind of a doubter with Joe Burrow with pressure, and he completely blew me away. Mm. And the fact that he took that big shot on the sideline in the first quarter and then later in the game was willing to spin back inside, like, that was big time. That's big time. And he took That's some big shots yep. and had to move in the pocket, and the offensive line didn't have a good day. They couldn't get the the run game going. That's, that front for Auburn's good. It's no, a very good no front. No question. Yep. And that, that great clip going around the internet the past 48 hours of Ed Ogeron yeah. complimenting the uh, Auburn D-lineman right. uh, yep. after, yep. after the game there. It's just great because because Auburn, that D-line and that front seven has got some dudes on you know, it. Derek and Brown, Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe. I mean, that's a, that's a good group. The linebacker you just mentioned. Yeah, great. I mean, Ed Ogeron knows place. it, too. Yeah. Man, that's a good group. Um, so my down-the-road freak show, uh, also for the Auburn side, Seth Williams, and I knew about him because he was uh, all freshman last year for all ACC or for all SEC. Um, 6'3", 210. Dude, I don't know if you saw this catch. Uh, Bo Nix is rolling to his left, scrambling, running away for uh, it might have been Chase on or somebody. Throws this up down the left sideline, and this was, was kind of late in the game. Dude, Seth Williams made a ridiculous, I believe it was one-handed catch along the sideline. It was awesome. Wow. Uh, and I was like, who's this guy? And I was like, oh, it's Seth Williams. I know I've got his name on my list. And uh, sure enough, the, the, the true The name sophomore. doesn't ring a bell with me. I don't think I have his, his name written down yet. But. So they've got him and they've got Anthony Schwartz, right. who's the speedster. Yes, like, I knew yeah, about yeah, Schwartz. Yeah. 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 So Williams is the, the big guy on the other side. Gotcha. So keep, keep I love these SEC guys. schools with the freshmen, the sophomore that are starting to make names for themselves. Because right. there's athletes. There's explosive players and yep. playmakers. They just maybe haven't had their name called yet or maybe buried on the depth chart. And midseason, maybe there's an injury by an upperclassman and mm. suddenly an explosive player shows up out of nowhere. And you're like, who's this kid? Big kid. I mean, he's a big kid and he went up. He was a really impressive uh, right. jump ball catch. Okay. All right, all right. Where are you uh, heading this week? Another new stop. We're heading to NC State Wake Forest. It's an interesting slate of games, a lot of buys, yep. kind of a... Uh, it is a little bit of a down week. Yeah, a little bit of an off week for some of the uh, sexier college football games as we're getting to the big matchups in the two weeks week. there. Yeah, but right. we'll save that down the road. So we got NC State Wake Forest, a fun ACC game. All right. So, uh, you know, give us a little bit of background here. Wake Forest, kind of a, a plucky team that I think a lot of people uh, see as maybe the second or third best ACC team, and they've got some prospects on them. They're on a trajectory right now to ruffle some feathers here yeah. in the ACC. And they have one loss on the season. Yep. They're, you know, a ranked team right now. I think they're a top 10 offense, which a lot of people aren't understanding. Yeah. Um, and it starts with these two receivers on the outside. Senior Scotty Washington and redshirt sophomore Sage Surratt. Okay. You talked about Surratt's brother a couple weeks ago. Chad Surratt yep. is the quarterback turned linebacker at North Carolina. Right. Great yep. story. He's playing really well this year at linebacker. But if we're talking about receiver pairs, there's only two in the country that have 30 catches okay. and are averaging 15 a catch, 15 yards per catch. Probably the so is it the duo, the duo we were talking explosive. about earlier in the show? It, it, it was not. But it's not them. No. Who so it? it's Scotty Washington, Sage Surratt. Right. And then UCF's got a couple receivers Gabe as well. Gabe Davis and uh, whoever Nixon, the other. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, I, so I watched them late in the day. These kids are productive. And between Scotty Washington and Sage Surratt, they have eight touchdowns over 20 yards air yards. So they're catching balls down the field. Scotty Washington's a little bit more of a red zone jump ball catch point guy playing okay. above the rim. Yep. But Sage Surratt. 
This kid is very impressive. He's only a redshirt sophomore. I hope he stays in school, just yep. like Greg Dordich didn't last year as a redshirt sophomore. He came out, went undrafted, and I don't know what he's doing right now. I think he's on the Jets practice squad. But uh, Sage Surratt was the North Carolina Player of the Year in basketball and football in Love high that. school. This kid's <laughs> production in high school is ridiculous. All right, what set, you got for us, Set sir? the state record in receiving at 366 catches, close to 6,000 yards, Jeez. 80 touchdowns, ridiculous athlete. Forget his football. Put on his basketball highlights. Right. This kid pretty much could have gone D1 anywhere in the country. Hmm. Uh, decided to go play football at Wake Forest. I'm not sure if he's playing basketball as well. Did you say over 330 catches and 80 touchdowns? Yes. That's like a that's a touchdown, what, every five, five, catch, every five than, catches? Yeah. That's wild. Um, he's got 6,000 yards. Right. He's doing something right out there. <laughs> uh, currently leads the ACC with 37 catches for first downs. Can win in the route. He's a really smooth, gliding runner. Instant speed. Almost deceptive speed, the way he rolls off the line of scrimmage. Yep. Really natural hands to pluck the ball away from his frame and immediately start working on yards after catch and moves post-catch. Uh, he's really agile and smooth. He can make that first man miss so often. Uh, a couple cons, though. Needs to get a little bit stronger. He kind of get grabbed by some corners at the break points and struggle to get off press here and there. Um, but very productive player. He's up to 800 yards, nine touchdowns this year. Reminds me a little bit of a Jordy Nelson. Okay. In the way he had deceptive speed as well, right. too. And he was almost that gliding runner. He was sub 4-5. No question. Yeah. And he was a track guy and really reliable hands. Can win above the rim. Can win in the route. Can win after the catch. Um, I also wrote down Kenny Galladay. Okay. Michael Thomas is a, a little too rich right now. Right. But yep. it's that type of body. And okay. that's what you want out of a receiver. This kid's 6'3, 215. Mm. So not too small and not too big where it's almost a detriment with your speed and getting in out of breaks and things. So that's right in the cream of the crop of all the premier receivers in the NFL as far as route running technicians and the ability to win above the rim, in the catch, after the catch. I think he's the perfect size, but buyer beware. He's only a redshirt sophomore, only been on the field for two years, so still pretty young. So i would known about these guys <clears throat> just from a production standpoint. Hey, the, the Wake Forest passing game, they're putting up numbers. The individual player that I've heard most about from an NFL draft standpoint, though, uh, and Tony actually brought him up on the show a couple weeks ago, is Carlos Basham, the yep. defensive end. Mm -hmm. So I know you've studied him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Basham, a redshirt junior? Yeah, and just to put Scotty Washington into bed and this type of player he is. Okay, yep. Uh, my comps for him, I have a couple guys written down, the Devin Funches of the world, Auden Tates of the world, yep. Bug Howard, Darunya Wilson. This kid's 6'5", 225. He's mm. a big kid. He can win above the rim. He's putting on better stuff this year than he did last year on Got tape. Got it. Um, um, we were talking about Carlos Basham, man. This kid's a really interesting player. Uh, productive player. He's already up to 10.5 tackles for loss, five sacks. Uh, he's got 20 hurries, 12 QB hits. That's third in the ACC for total pressures right now. So he's a productive player. And we just flashed through some tape right here uh, before we went on the show because I wanted you to just see what I was seeing. Explosive player. Straight line explosive. Short area quickness. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Not particularly twitchy with his hands and hips mm. and things like that, yep. but he's active to stay in the play. He's got some counter moves, really strong at the point of attack, can whoop tight ends without looking at him. Has some quick inside darting movements against tackles, really strong to hold his gaps against contact. Just a little stiff-hipped. And not really a true pass rusher. He doesn't have good pass rush plans, not really a nuanced pass rusher. I just see a Rashawn Gary to a T with this kid. Mm. Almost the same size, height, weight. Speed, yep. and just the same way you saw Rashawn Gary, you see this really explosive player, really active player, clearly a good athlete, but you just wanted more from him as a nuanced pass rusher, and to use his hands in a little bit more of a technical fashion, have a better pass rush plan, but he has some athleticism and some explosiveness that I don't think you could teach. Mm. Uh, so I think Rashawn Gary is the Carlos Basham kind of comp, and I think fits perfectly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that have been that size that have some good movement to them. They, you know, coming out, I we we're just kind of buzzing through some names like Darius Smith. Yep. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that kind of fit that profile. He looked he looked intriguing. I haven't studied him yet. Uh, like I said, Tony talked about him a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm excited to see what you think of him after seeing him in person. This yeah. Week. And sometimes I watch a player and you're like, I'm really excited and. Then I kind of I try to find a player who I think he's reminding me of. Yep. It's like, is this how I felt about Emmanuel Ogba at Oklahoma State? Right. Yep. You see this explosive player, straight line speed, hunting quarterbacks on the backside, but not really a refined pass rusher. Yep. And then has really kind of fallen down with the Cleveland Browns or wherever he is no, in the NFL. He's, he's in Kansas City yeah, now. He's with yep. the, uh, the Chiefs now. Um, but a guy that has some God-given abilities waking up in the morning, can he improve the details and the technique and really you know, refine his craft? But interesting player and productive player, Carlos Basham.
And then they've got a, a corner as well, a senior, Asang Bassi. You and I have both studied him. Uh, just a quick book on him. Undersized. Yep. Uh, you worry about his long speed. Probably more of a nickel at the next level, but needs to get bigger and stronger. Yeah, but this kid's got crazy, crazy ball production. I mean, 2017, he got his hands on 19 passes. Yep. 2018, 16 passes. This year, he's got six PBUs, a pick already. So he finds the ball downfield. He's very, he reads routes very no well. No question. Very yes. competitive at the catch point. Reminded me a little bit of DJ Reed coming out of Kansas State. State in mm. that off corner quarters, uh, you know, type of corner. Not a lot of press man. Yep. Smaller player probably projects to be a nickel at the next level, uh, just based off his size. But when you just watch him in a vacuum, you know he does his job in that defense. Mm. Yeah, and we'll go over to the other side. And NC State, a uh, little bit of a down year for them, from yeah. a, especially from a prospect standpoint. But they've had a lot of turnover over the last couple of years. You lose Ryan Finley and yep. Kelvin Harmon and Naheem Hines, guys Jacoby on both Myers sides. Jacoby and, Myers, yep. great one. So um, the two guys I know you want to focus on are on the defensive line, and that's uh, Larell Murchison and then the senior. Jim James Smith-Williams. Yeah, James Smith-Williams uh, has been on everybody's radar the past couple of years. He's a back-to-back freak lister, Bruce yep. Feldman's list. He's one of those guys with that classic uh, timeline pictures that NC State likes right. to put out. The, he has the big one, yeah. Six different years of how he looks, and he's completely transformed. I think he showed up on campus at like 196. <laughs> And he's up to 255 right now of like pure muscle. So go find that picture. I mean, I online. went from about 196 to about 255 in college, too. So you're just packing it on a little <laughs> bit differently, uh, a little bit different proportions there. Right. But unfortunately, James Smith Williams has been injured a lot of the season with an ankle injury. He's only played in three games. Supposed to be healthy this week, though. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, kind of a power rusher. He's got some good bull rushes okay. out there. Uh, but Lorel Murchison, really interesting. He was a top Juco D tackle. Georgia really wanted this kid in 2017. Wake Forest, or excuse me, NC State somehow stole him away. Uh, ended up redshirting, played every game last year, and was really uh, cranked it up this year. He's got nine TFLs, seven sacks already. He's actually had a twin brother that's a running back at Winston Salem. This oh, kid was nice. a running back in high school as well. Jeez. Kind of a yeah, fun highlights there. there huge, huge kid running the ball, but haven't done a full tape study on him. But a couple of my uh, scout buddy friends said he's going to rise up draft boards once you start mm. watching him. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I know nothing about Murchison and James Smith Williams. Only the freak list stuff is. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way he's been on my radar. Both seniors, so yep. they're both eligible. Murchison's a grad transfer or grad senior right gotcha. now. So. Beautiful. Well, we're excited to get your thoughts uh, on this matchup when you get back here next week. I'll give you one matchup, one parting uh, parting note here. Got the cocktail party this week. Oh, we, got, we, got, right. yep. we got Georgia, Florida uh, in Jacksonville. I think you got to look in the trenches in this game. I think you look at those Georgia tackles. You know, Andrew Thomas, potential top five, top ten pick if he were to come out. Tony Pauline reported on the show a few weeks back that he is likely to enter the draft. Okay. Um, going up against this Florida defensive front. You saw him a couple weeks ago. A little bit banged up, right? Jabari Zaniga, the senior, Jonathan Greenard, uh, Grenard, the uh, the grad the transfer senior as well. Both guys have been fighting through injury. Looks like they're 100% healthy and will be playing in this game. So the two DNs from Florida against the two offensive tackles from Georgia, that's a great matchup here in this Just uh, this putting you on the spot here a little bit, you know, Justin Herbert and the kind of quarterback landscape heading into the yep. draft. You got Tua, you got Jordan Love. Yep. You know, Joe Burrow's obviously flying up boards here yep. with his efficiency and the season LSU has had. That Alabama game is going to be huge for Burrow's no stock uh, as far as being a draft prospect. But where do you put Jake Fromm hmm. kind of in the pecking order of these quarterbacks? A guy that's immediately stepped in as a true freshman, yep. went to the national championship game, was literally an overtime possession away from winning a national championship yep. as a true freshman, been on the field a ton, good kid on and off the field, seems to have a really good command of that offense and the leadership Have style. you studied him? No, I haven't. I haven't either. But I just want to know kind of where he is on the pecking order, and he almost seems like that unforgotten one that may be that slow and steady Kirk Cousins third, fourth-round pick that may be the better pro than some of these first-round prospects. I'm going to be honest. Because of everything I do know about him... Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, no, no. no. I'm going to be honest. Because of everything I know about him, and I haven't studied him yet, and no one has told me this. This is just me. This is pure speculation. He stinks to me of a guy that's going to go back for a senior year. So I'm not, I I'm also I'm almost like I'm not going to watch him now at this point. I'm going to focus in on those seniors for this year. Right. Until I know for sure he's going to enter because and that's, and that's fair. He yeah. comes off to me as a guy that's going to go back for a senior, especially now with Georgia, you know, their, their season's been a little bit disappointing. They yeah. got a bunch of young skill talent coming back. Um I like everything about Jake from from a peripheral standpoint. I've watched Georgia plenty over the last few years. Uh, got a sense of him. I know the arm talent's not great, but accurate decision making, very uh, very much in rhythm, a timing and rhythm guy. 
I just I, I haven't studied him, but I, it does seem like in terms of the narrative, he's certainly behind the rest of these guys in terms of how they're being talked about. Yeah, right I now. almost forget he's still a junior considering yeah. how much he's been on the field already. Right. A lot like Trevor Lawrence, everyone forgets he's only a sophomore. Right, it's like, exactly. Uh, you know, been on the field since being a true freshman there, but. I mean, Fromm just seems reliable and solid every week. You also remember, this is the guy that made Justin Fields transfer. Made Justin Fields transfer. And look what Justin Fields is doing over at Ohio State. An impressive player in high school, number one uh, quarterback recruit, decided to go to Georgia, and Fromm said, no, this is my job. Uh, Chase Young for Ohio State, by the way. I went back and just watched like his sacks this past week. He had yeah. four sacks and yeah. like, five TFLs against Wisconsin. They're doing a great job of just keeping him on the open side. Yep. Like when the tight end comes over to his side, him and the other DN just switch. And then they move him around on third down. A lot of the things that uh, Houston did with like Clowney last year, they're doing all kinds of good things with him just to kind of get him He's free. really refined his pass rush plan, his I can't technique wait to watch and him, things man. like that. There's been some crappy pass rushes as well where the tackle just didn't get out of his stance right. and he you know, smokes him around the corner. Those aren't, aren't you know huge sacks to me. Um, but he's really refined some of his hand usage, mm. counter moves, things like that. Uh, I saw an interview with him this past week here. He was talking about pass rush plans and having counter moves in his back pocket. Was it the one he did with Herb Street? I think so. That I, happens. I, I haven't remember, watched it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah I saw okay. some clips going around Twitter. Got but it. I gotta just watch to it. hear that thought process yep. from a young player like that, really impressive. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to kind of dig deep because no he, he definitely looks like yep. he's improved and he's from last year. he's going to test off the charts of uh, you know, once we get in shorts and a T-shirt. No, no question. All right, well, Ben, uh, we will talk to you next week here on Saturday Scouting. Thanks for joining us here again on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Well, great stuff from Ben, and you can follow him on Twitter at BenFennel underscore NFL. And as I say every week, he's been such a great resource for me over the last few years and all of the help that he provides with both the Eagle Eye in the Sky articles and then also uh, Eagles Game Plan, which you can catch this week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the Eagles YouTube page. Uh, we're breaking down what we saw this past week against Buffalo and the Eagles win, but then also previewing this week's matchup against the Chicago Bears. I caught up, actually, with Eagles offensive coordinator Mike Grell. Really fun breakdown. He really got into the nitty-gritty of some really fun plays. So even if you're not an Eagles fan, you'll learn something there from Mike Groh. A lot of really cool intricacies for some of the things that they did in the run game and in the passing game on third down. So make sure you go check out Eagles Game Plan. Again, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the mobile app, or on the Eagles YouTube page. All right, let's now transition into Mr. Relevant now with Ben Solak from the Draft Network. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, very happy to welcome back to this week's show, Benjamin Solak. He's one of the co-hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Ben, uh, as an Eagles fan, welcome back to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Excited to get your thoughts on some players because, you know, you, not everybody we bring on can offer an Eagles spin, and certainly you are one of the draft guys out there that can do just that. So excited to have you back on, my man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and, and I, I hope that I can. Sometimes I feel too close to it. You know, you start, uh, you know, I've been, I've been saying, hey, Eagles, you know, draft a safety early for like three years now. You know what I mean? Like you kind of, you kind of. Sometimes it's good to be able to take a step back, but I appreciate you having me on, friend. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about this year's class. And, you know, obviously, look, we're approaching the back end of the regular season in college football, which is sad to say. But now that we've got through the meat of the schedule for the most part, I want to get your thoughts on one name, one player that has really come from out of nowhere that's going to go in the first round, probably go in the top 50 picks, we'll say, in next year's draft that – Look, it doesn't mean that there's a that they're in play for the Eagles that would but that would positively impact the Eagles going into next spring. Sure, yeah, and it's it's tricky, you know what I mean? Like it's a, a lot of these guys don't come out of nowhere anymore. You know, we kind right. of have a good feel on folks. I think the two that stand out is I expect to come out and I expect to be top 50 picks are Javon Kinlaw, the defense tackle out of South Carolina, who we we I think everybody in the draft community's been watching this kid for a while and saying if he puts it together, we're cooking. And it really feels like his senior year has been a year where he's taken a significant step forward in what he does from a technique perspective. Kinlaw's, in terms of physical tools, has been an absolute animal for years. And, and clearly, I think he's better at block deconstruction. He's got a better pass rush plan this year. So he's a top 50 guy. Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, linebacker out of Oklahoma, is the other one to me who stands out as very likely to come out. Key cog in the Oklahoma defense as a junior. Murray's huge. I mean, he's built like an old school linebacker, but he can run, he can fly, he can hit on the move. He comes to balance, I think, really nicely when he's tackling outside of the numbers. Coverage is a, is a bit of a question for Murray, but I think in a weak linebacker class, he's that name that I would expect is able to rise because he's so consistent on those running downs and he has that true sideline to sideline influence. And man, 
if Sean Wade comes out, this redshirt sophomore out of Ohio State, whoa, boy, that's out of nowhere. Like, uh, before the year, it was how do we get Sean Wade on the field? That was the question for the Ohio State defense because they have so much talent there in the secondary already. Well, they get him on the field as the nickel, and he's locked down as it comes. He's physical. He's big. He's got great instincts. He's got good ball skills. He's so much fun. So he's the big unknown right now. Unlikely he comes out as a redshirt sophomore, but if he does, I think he rises into that range. Yeah, I'm glad you brought those guys up because, you know, I think the other position you can go to, and this is in terms of having a positive impact on the Eagles, especially in round one, you know, the the rise of Joe Burrow. You know, I think when you look at that as a guy that, yeah. okay, no one really talked about Joe Burrow as being a first or even a second round pick coming into this uh, this season. Now that he's kind of risen uh, to the point where a lot of people are talking about him in the top 20, top 25, even higher, top 10, top five. I think that's just another name to put above the Eagles that will, again, slide oh, somebody sure. down. The board. Yeah. So that certainly does help uh, as well. You can throw uh, all of those quarterbacks really, you know, into that mix as being a, a positive influence on the Eagles in April. Uh, ben, let's get in now to some of your opinions on some of these players. And I, I love talking with analysts and just kind of getting a sense of who they like more than everybody else, who they're willing to kind of stand up on a table for. So if you're in any NFL draft, or it doesn't have to be the Eagles room, but any of the 32 teams rooms, and you have to jump on the table for a guy, who's one player on offense that you feel really, really good about and in terms of their transition to the NFL. Yeah, you uh, are you sick and tired of Ben Fennel talking about Tylen Wallace yet? <laughs> he's yeah, a ty- well, he's a huge Tylen Wallace fan. We know that. Uh, and, and, and whenever I agree with the other Ben on things, I feel pretty good about it. I respect <laughs> his opinion. Man, Wallace is loose. I mean, this is a guy who he, the the range of motion for him, and I think the breaks that he's able to execute are really impressive. Route running is more promised than it is on the field right now. And and Oklahoma State not asking you to do too many multi-break sorts of routes, but Wallace is clearly a very natural mover. He's got great long speed. And what we've really seen this year is an improving the tackle-breaking ability and in the strength for Wallace. He's taken some of these, you know, easy scheme design touches, bubble screens and quick slants, and he's making them into explosive plays exclusively because of his yak ability, vision, elusiveness, and then, yeah, that strength to break tackles. He's also, I mean, scared of nobody across the middle of the field. And that's a really nice thing to see for a a receiver who's a bit sub 200 is probably where he's going to come in on. He's not the biggest dude, but he'll elevate and he's willing to take a hit across the middle of the field if it means catching the football. So I love the play style. And I really think the traits are rounding out into a clear, you know, three level threat, short, intermediate and deep. Like is Wallace a true wide receiver one? Route running, getting off press coverage. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but this is a clear offensive weapon. To me, like I'm uh, Emmanuel Sanders vibes is where I'm at. Not mm. the biggest dude, but he's effective pretty much anywhere you want to put him. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure Fennel's been pounded the table for him, but I like to think I might like him a little more than Ben. Uh, I've been a big fan of Tyler Wallace for a while. He's a fun player. I think Ben tweeted uh, earlier today, we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, uh, that he compared him to a Tyler Lockett uh, in terms of his ability sure. to kind of get in and out. So uh, I, have not, I have not studied Wallace yet or anybody on that Oklahoma State offense. Excited to kind of dig into Chuba Hubbard as well. But, um, you know, this is, yeah. a, this is an offense that obviously has been putting up big numbers and, and especially in the run game this year. So excited to dig into those guys down the road. We talked about C.D. Lamb as well, their cross-state rival with the Sooners. We talked about C.D. Lamb earlier in the show. All right, uh, let's, same question. Let's go to the defensive side now. Who's a guy that you f- really feel passionately about as we get uh, closer and closer to the pre-draft process? Yeah, I, I can't shake Lecky Fotu, man. This defensive tackle out of mm. Utah is a senior now. And he and Bradley and I, the edge out of Utah, are two yep. good players. And they both decided to come back because there was unfinished business for Utah, right? And they wanted to angle on that Pac-12 championship. It hasn't been a neat road so far, but they still have, have, have a, a look at the Pac-12 South and getting to that game. Fatu was a guy who, when he came out, was a weak side end. He was really light, and Utah's staff there decided to mass him up, get him on the interior. They even talked about offensive tackle for a little bit. So it was kind of he bounced around in his redshirt year and figuring out where he's going to end up, and then, all right, he's going to be a defensive tackle. And you go and you watch that junior film, and there's three to five reps every game where you go, oh, come on. Like, if we get this and we bridle this and we're able to, to build off of this, I mean, we're cooking with grease. His senior year – 
I mean, the BYU game was dominant. And just he he was a home wrecker in the interior. What what Lecky Fotu has in terms of length and strength is so exciting from a two-gapping perspective, but he's gotten better at shucking blocks. He's gotten better at penetrating in gaps and using his hands to win a half-man relationship. This allows you now to also present a one-gapping potential. And so the size of a, of a zero-tech and a one-tech, but some of the, the the pass rush upside of a three-technique. And so Foto's a guy who, you know, uh, on a good defensive line, but he plays late and the whole Utah defense is talented. And he just doesn't get a ton of run. To me, there's that upper tier of, of defensive linemen, Raekwon Davis, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, all these seniors in that next tier is Lucky Foto. He doesn't get a, a lot of run, but I think he's a consummate NFL player. And a great matchup this week. That's what I'm going to be talking about in a little bit here with Tony. Uh, the the matchup against Washington and that offensive line, the Nick Harris, Lakey Foto battle. That's, uh, that's going to be a nice battle here uh, this coming weekend. Uh, ben, next question for you. We're getting, like, as I mentioned earlier, we're getting close to the pre-draft process, all right? So we're going to have the All-Star Games. Those announcements are coming soon. I think Jim Nagy said that next Monday is the first round of invitations for the Senior Bowl. So excited to, to see uh, as those reports start coming out. But we're starting to get to that point. Who's a player that you can't wait to see when we get to that phase? Maybe it's kind of an incomplete uh, evaluation based off college film. You're excited to get that an answer to a critical question, either at the Senior Bowl, Shrine Game, any of those All-Star games, or at the Combine. Who's someone that kind of comes to mind when we talk about that topic? Yeah, I think that you all, you always immediately look to the quarterback position, mm-hmm. right? Because this is where I think you get a lot of information from the Senior Bowl and from the All-Star circuit. And every player's got questions, but the player you know that that you brought up a little bit earlier that I think is most interesting for everybody is going to be Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. because with Burrow, everything he's done this year has been tremendous. Oh, it's been exciting and it's been electric and he's been a riser and it's great. But we have to, you know, once we kind of settle down from the pizzazz and, and from the the big rush of excitement, take a step back and ask. We have a, a player who was one year super productive in a new system. How we have to be able to divorce this kid's talent and his traits from what LSU set up for him. And we have to ask ourselves the question of like, did he just catch fire at the right time? Sometimes it happens. And so there, there has to be a healthy skepticism with rises like Burrow has had. And, and, and I say, you know, taking him outside of that system, Burrow with what he was doing with LSU last year. I mean, there were arm strength questions. There was willingness to to push the ball downfield and throw outside of the numbers. How, how good is he at, at really testing man coverage and placing the ball against that tight coverage? All of a sudden, you're going with an air raid style offense, and that's what the offense is predicated on. So is Burrow throwing it down the field because he learned how to or because that's just what he's been asked to do? And is he going to revert back? Like a, a 2018 film, I thought he was a Nick Foles-like player. Eagles fans would be familiar with Foles. Foles was a, a, a short to intermediate, distribute the football, point guard sort of a type. That is not what we have seen from Burrow in 2019. So senior you got to sit this, this kid down, and you're going to have a conversation with him, number one, about – what he's seeking on the field, what throws he likes, how he likes to process defenses, what he's got to see to be willing to push the ball down the field. And then also, you're going to see him sling the pill against the likes of Justin Herbert, Jacob Beast, and these kids have hoses. And Burrow doesn't. You know, we know Burrow's got a little bit lighter of an arm, and that's fine. But we have to see that relative speed because, again, you know, there have been instances, even on his tremendous 2019 season, where you go, oh, improved arm strength would have helped him there. And so, you know, again, Burrow's been so much fun right now, and I don't want to take away from that fun because it's a great part of the process. But there's going to come a time, and it's going to be senior bowl time, where we step back and we say, all right, now we got to parse this kid. we got to get deep in. we got to make the incision, get into the guts, and really figure out if he's legit based off this rapid, explosive rise to the top. Well, I'm, it's really funny that you say that because you and I hadn't talked about Burrow before, but when I watched a couple of the games, I actually didn't study him coming into the year. I knew of him. We've talked about him on the show. Ben saw him live right. uh, once or twice last fall. So we had talked about him uh, coming over from Ohio State to LSU, but I didn't get a chance to study the film over the summer. So when he started blowing up after that Texas game, I went and I studied two games of him on film. And the name that I watched or the name that I wrote down after watching him was Nick Foles, and it wasn't necessarily hey, that, that, well. That's you know to me, I he kind of reminded me of Foles when Foles was at Arizona, and I remember studying him coming out back in 2012. Um, you know, he had the you know, the arm strength was like okay, it's good enough. It's not uh, he doesn't have a can, he doesn't have a rocket. Good enough arm strength, but man, toughness and poise in the pocket. Foles had that for days at Arizona, and Sneaky you saw him kind of get no question. There were a lot of things yeah. I saw, and I was like, man, like this guy's a good distributor, on time with everything. He's not holding on to the ball too long. He's not a, a crazy athlete, but you know he can do just enough for you. 
there was a, a lot of similarities I think you could make between those two players. And Burrow, obviously, continuing to have a lot of success. Watched him uh, this past week against Auburn as well. I talked about that earlier in the show. So excited to, to continue to uh, finish the evaluation, even though the Eagles obviously not in the market for a quarterback. I love studying the position and learning more about it. And uh, Joe Burrow will be a very interesting case study for all the reasons that you highlighted. All right, last question for you, Ben. Who's a player that you've studied recently that's fre- you know, fresh on your mind now uh, that you really want to sh- kind of share your thoughts on uh, just to wrap up the interview? Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you asked me because the best part of the process, everybody has a, a part of the process they like the most in the draft cycle. And to me, it's when you're opening up that player's film and you know, like, you know nothing about the kid. Yep. And it's just all potential, right? And Jordan Elliott is this defensive tackle out of Mizzou. Uh, okay. He's a second-year starter here. He was a Texas transfer who, you know, the book on Elliott was, all right, you know, a high, high recruit, but he just hasn't been able to get his head screwed on right in terms of, of his diet and his work ethic in the offseason and the film study. Something unlocked. Something for sure <laughs> unlocked because Elliott's 2019. I mean, you ask Wyoming center, you ask that old Miss center how they feel about Jordan Elliott, they're going to run away. They don't want to talk about it. He <laughs> – unbelievable some dominant performances and he's still up and down there's still drives where you go yeah you're playing at 80 percent. i can tell you're tired it's the third quarter your conditioning's not great and your mizzou's up by 14 you're not interested and like that's frustrating but we've clearly tr- uh, moved past a place of untapped potential to there's promise here elliot is l- lean and mean you know six four three oh five three ten with length and, and, and there's not a lot of bad weight on this kid at all the upper body strength and the core strength is great the dude up roots, right? He gets his hands on your shoulder pads. You're going somewhere else. You know, he's, he's got that full chain of power, that posterior chain to move you out. Now, the breaking of the hands is what's important here. Elliot's good from the first step to the second step. And then all of a sudden, when you redrop your anchor, he doesn't yet know how to work that club rip or work that arm over and get his hands off of you so he can disassociate, present, you know, a shoulder in a gap and stop that running back. So there's penetration there's there's compromising pocket integrity but there's not a lot of sacks and tfls right now it's good but it's not as much as there could be because he's not yet a great finisher so we're still stringing it together with jordan elliott but this is going to be one of those names that you know chase goodbread tweets out at the beginning of april it's like hey teams are thinking about this guy's a day two pick yeah they should be you go back to the film you can tell why is he a senior uh, I believe he's a junior if okay. memory serves. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I have I have not watched him. I am completely I've got nothing on him. So I'm excited to uh Retro to hear his junior. thoughts on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. As a transfer, Retro Junior. Very good. Well, Ben, uh, appreciate the time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will for sure uh, be talking to you as the draft gets closer. Thanks again, man. Yeah, of course, man. Go birds. You have a good one. All right, well, thanks again for Ben for joining the show. He does a great job over on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Ben, uh, always a fun listen. and appreciate the time here on the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Okay, let's now transition into our next segment. We're going to have Tony Pauline here, Draft Buzz. He's always breaking news. Make sure you go check out uh, Tony over at the Pro Football Network. Let's hear from him now in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Very happy to be once again joined by the draft analyst himself, Tony Pauline. You could follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. Tony, welcome back to the show. We're going to get into it here. Uh, the latest word on the street, you are well ahead of the story here with senior offensive tackle Lucas Niang from TCU, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, longtime starter on the right side there for the Horned Frogs, now going to miss the ent- the rest of the season with a knee injury. Doesn't seem to be too, too serious, but certainly will be missing a couple of months. Tony, uh, how is this going to affect his draft stock and what's the latest there with Niang? Well, first thing is it's a hip injury. It's not a knee Sorry injury. Sorry about that. It's, yep. It, it, it's a uh, labrum uh, in his hip that has Got to it. be uh, that has to be repaired, and it's an injury that he basically has played through, uh, played with all season. He had it in, in the off season. Probably could have had the the surgery in the off season. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's, the injury itself is not going to hurt him. What will hurt him, or what could potentially hurt him, is not say participating in an event like the Senior Bowl where we have seen guys, Austin Corbett, you go back to DeBrickashaw Ferguson, offensive linemen who have gone there and have had sensational weeks of practice Mm. and really vaulted their draft stock, really catapulted uh, and came out of the the Senior Bowl week with a draft stock that was anywhere from a half a round to a full round better than when they went there. So the injury itself is not going to hurt Yang. What's going to hurt him is the inability to perform – 
you know, as, at, at the Senior Bowl, and as we know, that's the biggest crowd that the of scouts or, or NFL personnel that'll be there, especially with those one-on-ones. I mean, because if Yang showed the ability to shut down the speed rushers on the one-on-ones, his draft stock would have uh, taken off. I still think he's going to be a second-day pick. I still think there's a very good chance he'll be a second-round pick. You know, it's not a major injury. It's something where I would expect he's going to be back 100% by the time uh, minicamp opens up. Probably get a good workout in before the uh, before the draft. If it's not at uh, TCU's Pro Day, he'll have his own Pro Day workout. So the injury won't hurt him in the sense that uh, the injury itself is not bad. But I think the loss of opportunity to perform, to perform at an event like the Senior Bowl will be a situation where it'll be a missed opportunity where he could really catapult his draft stock. Yeah, and we've seen injured guys in the past be able to go down to Mobile and still kind of participate in the off-field stuff. You still can meet with teams and you know do some media, do some of those things. So we'll see if Niang is able to participate from that standpoint. Do you think Combine definitely out of the picture for him? Absolutely. Okay. He will not be participating in the Combine. Uh, from what I was told, anyway, it's either going to... It's either going to be the TCU Pro Day or it's going to be an individual workout uh, a week or two before. Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say a week or two. I apologize. It'll be an individual workout before the draft. All right, well, Tony, is there anything else uh, outside of Niang that you'd like to hit on? Is there anything else that you're hearing from around the country when it comes to next year's NFL draft? Well, the only thing, other thing is that I, I posted in the uh, college football live uh, game day blog at Pro Football Network is that uh, Cameron Danzler, the cornerback, uh, from Mississippi State is expected to enter the draft. Everyone has told me that he's going to enter. Uh, this is a guy, Dantzler, a lot of people haven't paid attention to, but scouts who graded underclassmen coming into the season, some of them thought he was a mid-first-round pick. Mm. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got developing ball skills. He's shown some flashes of brilliance in the ability to shut down opponents. But everything that I'm told is Dantzler of Mississippi State is going to enter the draft. And... You know, I, I think that you are looking at a guy that's going to be talked about as a top five cornerback mm. uh, in the 2020 draft. Interesting. Yeah, as a player I have not studied up to this point, so uh, excited to get eyes on him moving forward. Tony, who's a player that, based off what you've heard from around the league and around college football, has really helped their stock, uh, a guy that we haven't necessarily talked about yet to this point? We've talked about a couple different centers from the uh, from the Big Ten, Tyler Biadaz of Wisconsin, Matt Allen of Michigan State. Mm. But a lot of scouts really, really like Cesar Ruiz, the, the center from Michigan. And really, if you watch the Notre Dame game this week, his skills were on display. He's a fluid, smooth lineman. He can get on the second level. He's got some power. He's got and pop in his game. You know, there are some scouts who basically talk about Ruiz in the same sort of uh, mentioned, same sort of conver- conversation where they talk about Tyler Biadas. So Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, is a guy who's fallen under the radar, but he is well-liked in the scouting community. Yeah, another player I have not studied. I know that they've got uh, some upperclassmen on that line, you know, Bredesen and John Runyon, uh, some other guys up front there for the Wolverines. Have not watched uh, Ruiz yet to this point. So excited uh, to continue to watch him as well as we move forward through the uh, the rest of the pre-draft process. Tony, uh, give us a, a small school guy, someone outside of the Power Five. We ask you every week, a small school standout, someone we need to know moving into the pre-draft process. Keep the name of Jeremy Chin, the safety uh, from yep. uh, from uh, Southern Illinois, uh, on on your list on yep. on your scouting radar. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who we may see him at the Senior Bowl. I think in a worst case scenario, we're going to see him at the Shrine Game. Came into the uh, season graded as early as a sixth round pick by scouts. He's a well built, hard hitting force at the safety spot. More of a run defender, but does show solid ball skills. You know, between the numbers, is an opportunistic guy on the, on that small school level. I think that it, it depends on how fast he runs. That, that's the big question. Is he a guy that's going to run in the mid to uh, high four fives? Is he a four six guy? The faster he runs. Uh, at the combine, which I expect him to get an invitation to, the earlier he's going to be drafted. But still, I, I think you're looking at a, a zone, a strong safety type of guy that can play special teams and someone that'll be a, a late round pick in next year's draft. Mm, yeah, I, Chin is a guy I know a lot of people are very high on. And I I, I would group in this guy as well, uh, a player from North Texas, Rico Bussey, uh, the senior wide receiver. And Tony, I just got a chance to study him for the first time over the last few days. And, you know, this is a kid who's, you know, right between six foot six one. He's right over 200 pounds. 
but he's got some speed, man. I mean, he's he's kind of got that that juice that you want to be able to attack vertically. You know, I wrote a couple names down as I was watching him. Uh, you know, recent NFL draft fans uh, will remember the kid that ended up going uh, to the Dallas Cowboys from Colorado State, whose name is currently uh, escaping me over the last. Michael Gallup, uh, the Eagles just saw him a couple weeks ago. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael Gallup, maybe a little bit of Jeremy Macklin there as well. Not you know, he's not Jeremy Macklin from a, a prospect standpoint as a, a top twenty pick, but uh, in terms of play style, you know, he's got decent size and he's got some speed, but. Did have the knee injury in week three against Cal. I watched all of his snaps this year. I watched all of his targets the year before. Intriguing player. Is this a guy that you think is going to try and go back for a medical red shirt? Could he come out and enter enter this draft? How do you kind of see Rico Bussey moving forward? I don't know that any final decision has been made, but the people that I spoke with assume that he's going to be eligible for, or, or he will be in the 2020 draft. He's okay. not going to try and get a, a medical red shirt. He may be done with college. So uh, everyone I've spoken with assume that, you know, he, he's going to be in the draft. He's not going to try and get a medical red shirt. A- and then you have to look at the severity of the knee injury. Mm. Will he be ready to do any sort of workout, any sort of running before the draft? What, what was the, the thought from scouts uh, coming into the year on Rico Bussey? Uh, they, they actually liked him. Bussey was one of the higher rated uh, senior receivers. Uh, or I should say one of the highest rated receivers from the senior class. I mean, he got a, uh, a second day grade, uh, from NFL okay. scouts, uh, when they, when they came into the grade. So, you know, they are, I'm not as high on him as you are. I, I, I like the flashes. I like to see a little bit more consistency, but there certainly are a as a route scout- runner, he needs a lot of work as a route runner. There there are some things that he's got to work on, but I, I was, I was impressed by the skill set. Yeah. I, I mean, there are scouts well, coming into the season. I should say scouts graded him as a second day pick. Mm. Yeah, he's a he's a very interesting player. Well, Tony, uh, let's talk about this weekend in college football. Certainly a little bit of a lighter slate. Uh, you know, I don't think we have any ranked on ranked matchups here in this game as we talked about or, or this week of college football as we talked about earlier with Ben. But uh, you know, what, there's still some individual matchups that I think we can highlight. What's one that you'll be keeping an eye on this Saturday? Well, yeah, except for that LSU Alabama game, which everyone's going to be focusing on. But you know, I, I'm going to take a, a, a matchup out of the left field. And I'm going to go to the Arizona-Oregon State game. Jace Whitaker, uh, Jace Whitaker against Isaiah Hodgkins, the latter which is getting a lot of talk on the mm. internet uh, about being a top receiver prospect, which I like him, but I don't agree that he's a top receiver prospect. You know, we've talked about Whitaker in the yep. past. He's a, he's a solid football player. They line him up at safety. They line him up at the cornerback. They use him over the slot. He's got three interceptions this year, 28 tackles. <clears throat> the question about Whitaker is his speed. Which, ironically, that's the same question about Hodgkins. I mean, Hodgkins is a guy, the production this year has been lights out. 56 receptions for 745 yards, 10 TDs this year. Hodgkins can absolutely catch the ball. He's a terrific pass catcher. The question with him is quickness and speed. Can he get off the line of scrimmage and can he run? Everyone I've known that's seen him in person say the the, uh, answers to those questions are no and no. He can Mm. absolutely catch the ball. But he's got he's going to struggle to get separation at the next level. He, he has no burst in his game. Someone even said to me, you know what? You're better off putting 20 pounds on Hodgkins and turning him into a move tight end. Whatever the situation is, you got two really good football players in Hodgkins and Whitaker that are not great athletes. Mm. So it, it, the matchup will be fun to see because, you know, who gets the better jump? Who shows the better quickness? You know, you got two kind of poor Toms here as far as athleticism is concerned, but you got guys that are real good football players. So it'll be an interesting matchup for players that I think are, are third-day selections. Hodgkins, if he enters the draft, I, I think you're looking at third-day selection. Whitaker, I also think, is a third-day selection. Whitaker kind of reminds me of Tristan Deku, if you remember oh, who he was. The, yeah. uh the cornerback Oregon that came State. out of Oregon State, yep. uh, played corner, was drafted as a safety, spent a little time in the NFL. Uh, he was a good football player. He just did not have the speed to stay at the next level. Uh, I think that's that's really going to be the criticism and concern about not only Whitaker, but Isaiah Hodgkins of Oregon State. We'll see how it pans out this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to stay out west with mine, Tony. And I think you look at this uh, Utah Washington game. We actually talked about it last week with Jeff Schwartz and, you know, preview. If you like trench play, uh, this Washington offensive line, you've got Trey Adams at left tackle, Nick Harris at center, one of the best centers in the country uh, that I've studied. That kid is so violent with his hands, uh, gets after people in the run game. And Trey Adams, certainly, you know, look. 
if he's 100% healthy, he's one of the top tackles in the country. The matter, the, the question is, is he going to be able to stay healthy through the course of this season? Did, was not healthy for all of last year, hurt his knee at the end of the 2017 season. So uh, a player with a lot of upside, a lot of ability, just has to be able to prove the durability. So I think when you look at those two guys going up against this Utah defensive line, Bradley and I, the defensive end, very violent, crafty player, uh, can win as a pass rusher with his hands and with technique and with effort, but also very good at the point of attack in the run game. The matchup with Anai and Trey Adams is going to be a really fun one. And then inside, looking at Nick Harris going up against the Lakey Fotu, the senior nose tackle, that kid, he's got a little bit of Haloti Nada to him, you know, just a, a big body, there the moves as well as he does. There aren't a lot of people that move the way that he does uh, for a guy that big. And then even uh, the kid, John Penicini, the, the other senior defensive tackle. I like Penicini as well to stick in the NFL. So this group of defensive linemen for Utah against this Washington offensive line, their right tackle as a prospect as well, is going to be a very interesting matchup. I don't know what your thoughts are uh, on those players as well, Tony. And my thoughts are this, is if Fotu played, uh, Leaky Fotu played with the same uh, intensity as his teammate Penasini or Nick Harris, he's a first-round pick. Yeah. Scouts love his ability, but the problem is, is he turns it on and off too much. And when he wants to play, he is a force. And he's a guy that's at times is impossible to stop, but he doesn't do it all the time, mm-hmm. which will, which could be and will be his downfall uh, in the draft unless somehow he he just blows everybody away at the senior ball. You know, I agree with you about the uh, the Bradley and I, uh, Trey Adams uh, matchup because Anai is the type of pass rusher, the type of guy that can get off the edge, can bend off the edge, he's got speed off the edge, that can give Adams fits because while Adams is fundamentally sound and he's smart and he's tough, at times he struggles to adjust. He struggles to re uh, to redirect to the uh, the speed pass rushers. So that also is a very good matchup. Yeah, just uh, I've said it before on the show, but as a reminder for those that maybe didn't catch it before, uh, Andre Dillard told me at the Senior Bowl last year that Bradley and I was the best pass rusher he faced all of last season. So certainly a player uh, that's got that pedigree, that ability to be able to win a skill set that translates to the NFL. All right, Tony, last question for you. We're going to wrap it up as we always do with our mock draft roundup. This week, we're going to go to a site you're pretty familiar with, the Pro Football Network. Neil Driscoll did a mock draft recently, had the Eagles selecting 14th overall. This was before this past weekend, and the Eagles win over Buffalo and has them taking Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs. Junior has not yet declared, so you know we don't know if he's definitely going to be in this draft, but Tony, what are your thoughts on the value there, Henry Ruggs in middle of round one? I just don't see it with Ruggs. I, I mean, hmm. I know that there are people who are lo- in love with him. Eight games this year, he's got 26 receptions. Granted, I, I think he's averaging uh, close to 20 yards per catch, but if you hmm. watch Alabama, a lot of those are busted coverages where he's wide open down the field. He reminds me of an Adarius Stewart type of receiver. Adarius Stewart was a different type of player, but I'm saying that in the sense that I I think he's a solid player, but he benefits from that system in Alabama. I I just don't see first round Hmm. potential or or first uh, first round prospect in Henry Ruggs at this point in time. And I know I know that goes against the grain. I know that there are people who love him. I just think that Henry Ruggs ability uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, play is made so much easier by those around them, whether it be Jerry Judy, whether it be uh, the running game at Alabama. I, I see a very good athlete on the football player, but I see a guy who needs a lot of work on his game before I'm going to stamp him as a first-round pick anyway. Well, that's uh, certainly, like you said, against the grain. Not many people not a fan of Henry Ruggs, so appreciate that, Tony. They're a very good uh, hard take there from you. Well, look, appreciate the time here, as always, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Tony, we will talk to you next week here for Draft Buzz. Absolutely. Well, great stuff from Tony. As we get to later and later in the week, we're getting close to Sunday. NFL games getting ready uh, to kick off here. Make sure if you want to get more information about the Eagles-Bears matchup here Saturday, 1 o'clock, Lincoln Financial Field, go tune in to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast with myself and Greg Cosell. We dive into the film. We break down the X's and O's of what we saw last week with both teams and preview this matchup from the All-22. So make sure you go check that out on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, wherever podcasts can be found. All right, Let's get now into one of the, my favorite players that I've studied recently, a guy that really caught my eye in the last week or so, and that's TCU running back Darius Anderson. It's time for Scouting Report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. 
All right, so like I said, Darius Anderson, the subject of this week's scouting report, and he's the running back from TCU. He's a senior. He's on the senior bowl watch list entering the year. He's kind of always been on my radar. He's been a longtime backup, longtime contributor for them, led the team in rushing in 2017, and he's been on Bruce Feldman's freak list. We mentioned that list earlier in the show with Ben, uh, talking about that defensive end from NC State. And Darius Anderson, uh, he's got some juice, but let's get into what I saw from him on film, mostly in the shotgun, obviously down in TCU, playing there for Sonny Cumbie, their version of of the air raid offense. So not a lot with the quarterback under center, but a mostly zones run scheme. They've got some sweeps built in from a gap standpoint, but mostly inside zone, outside zone with Darius Anderson. And I thought from an athletic standpoint, solid burst. He's got top end speed to run away. He's got pretty efficient change of direction. Athletically, I think you have everything you need there to play running back in the NFL. He does a really good job with his vision. He rides the wave really well in their zone schemes. He's very decisive. He puts his foot in the ground and goes. And also he's got some patience to, you know, He's not going to force the issue in their gap schemes. You don't see him running into the backs of blockers or you know putting himself in tough situations where he's now got to recover and, and try and break outside. He's very efficient approaching the line of scrimmage. Not a lot of wasted movement. I thought he was very decisive and confident as a runner. Uh, very tough and competitive kid. He runs with a purpose. Probably, the, to me, he's the toughest runner in that backfield. He'll throw a stiff arm. He'll lower his shoulder into contact. He'll spin off contact. He fights for every blade of grass he can get when Whenever he's got the football in his hands, I really liked liked his competitiveness uh, as a runner. Catches the ball well as well. I mean, uh, only used really in the screen game and as a check down, but with his athletic skill set, I think he's got the ability to be more, and that'll be something that's big for him if he goes to the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game and show what he can do from a pass game standpoint. I think he's got the juice to be able to be used, kind of like how Miles Sanders was underused at Penn State in the pass game. That's kind of how I view uh, Darius Anderson. I can I think he can be used in a lot of different ways. Look, he's unproven in pass protection, uh, you know, was not often used as a blocker, but with his competitive uh, his competitive nature, I think that he can project pretty well uh, to pass protection as a blocker. The size is going to be the issue. So really, I think if you're talking negatives for this kid, he's a little bit undersized, and you don't see a lot of him in pass pro, so that's going to be a little bit of a projection. But overall, I liked everything I saw from him. You know, I would bet on this guy carving out a role in the NFL, sticking around for a while. He's got to prove himself in pass protection, like I said, but this is an athletic back with good vision, good competitiveness, and a pass-catching ability that you don't see from too many backs uh, that I think he's got that upside there on on third down. Not a full-time starter. I don't think he's going to be a three-down player for long stretches for his NFL team, but I think he could be a really nice number two option. And the guy that he really reminds me of, where this guy came out of the FCS level, came from Fordham nearby, up in New York City. Now he's starting to make waves. And if you play fantasy football, you know all about Chase Edmonds. Darius Anderson really reminds me of Chase Chase Edmonds when he was coming out of Fordham. A lot it's very similar body type, similar skill set, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. So Darius Anderson, certainly a name to keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to the end of the college football regular season. Keep an eye on him if you watch TCU here uh, moving forward over the next few weeks. All right, let's wrap this show up. We're going to go to Draft Mailbag and some of your questions at home. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so like I said at the top of the show, the best way to support this program is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Even if you've already done it, you want to leave us a comment, leave us a question, we'll answer it here on the show. And if you haven't yet and you love the show, just go. It takes like 30 seconds. Log on to Apple Podcasts. You can do it from your phone. Leave that rating. It could be five-star if you want. We appreciate the five stars. But however you feel about the show, leave us that rating. Leave us a comment. It's the best way just to give us some love and help other people find the show. So uh, we want to give some love to someone who did just that. PTG, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Long name, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll buy it. Uh, what do you think of guys like Penn State wide receiver KJ Hamler for the Eagles as a day two pick? Looks like we'll have 10 picks, and I'd love to spend almost all of them on defense, but having a game-breaker like him would be nice. Well, PTG, uh, I think, you know, obviously, look, you're projecting the 10 picks, I think, with the compensatory picks that the Eagles may get this spring. So I think when you look at this overall slate, uh, look, speed receivers are, are all the rage, and you want to try and add speed any way you can. I think when you look at the Eagles, we've talked about this uh, over with Greg over on the Eagle on the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Any way you can add speed on both sides of the football, especially when you look at this roster, I think will be advantageous moving forward. K.J. Hamler, I have not personally studied him yet. I will say, uh, look, he stood out last year as a redshirt freshman. I remember that slant that he took to the house against Ohio State uh, in the night game in the shoe. He's running away from everybody. Uh, That actually may have been a home game, but him running away from everybody, uh, you saw 
all that speed. If you're going to outrun the Ohio State secondary, uh, you know you've got some juice. Uh, I'm excited to, to kind of dig into Hamler. You know, is he a vertical threat or is he kind of like what we talked about with Paris Campbell a year ago, where yeah, you you see the speed, you see the ability to be a vertical threat, but you know, is he that guy or is he more just get the ball in his hands, screen, shallow crosses, you know, different pick plays and things like that. Get him the ball in the quick game and let him create after the catch. I'm excited to watch him, but yeah, he certainly uh, has the juice. He's got the explosive ability to be able to create with the football in his hands. I'm excited to dig deeper into him. There's a lot of receivers, honestly, that uh, have that speed in this class that um, you know a lot of people are excited about. We talked about Henry Ruggs, Ad Nauseam from Alabama. Jerry Judy's got some speed from Alabama. I, t- I mentioned Rico Bussey uh, to Tony earlier in the show uh, from North Texas. That kid's got some vertical ability. There's a lot of speed uh, in this draft on, on at multiple positions on both sides of the football. So uh, really appreciate the question, PTG. And again, if you want to get on the show, go on wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us your question on there, and we will answer it here uh, on the next episode. But until then, we will see you next time here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Uh, a lot of fun. College football coming to a close, but uh, we will be back next week to bring you all the latest.